This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers better help and the biggest loser had a baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Today on episode number 307 of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, I'm going to give you a report from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and how well it just wasn't that worth it. And we've got a cool 10-minute rule, and I'm going to tell you how to fight fair and how that ties into fitness. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to weight loss. We left our excuses in the past, and we've forgiven ourselves for abusing the gift that is our bodies. From this point forward, our health is more important. We will stay focused. We will stay determined. We will sacrifice now knowing that it's not going to be easy so that we can live a better tomorrow. We understand that weight loss is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about making lifestyle changes and that the only person who can stop you is you. You know where you are now and you know where you want to be. The new you begins today. Let's go. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it thin. I want to try it thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to just to die it thin. Won't tell you lies thin. I want smaller thighs thin. But I realize I guess I'll have to Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the schoolofpodcasting.com. If you're new to the show, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I'm just a person like you trying to lose weight. And as I look at my phone, I'm down 1.6 pounds. Now, if you're new to the show, I did go up the last episode. And uh, so I'm back down that spot I lost. And here's one of the things I uh, I did since our last episode is I went to Philadelphia. I was on uh, over there over the weekend, and I actually went and saw the Liberty Bell on 9-11, which was kind of interesting because security was through the roof. And I was like, what's all the security? The Liberty Bell's already broken. They're not going to blow that thing up. But um, it was really interesting. I was in Philadelphia. And I had never really spent a large amount of time in Philadelphia. I've been there once before. And everybody said, oh, you've got to get a Philly cheesesteak. You've just got to. If you're in Philadelphia, I mean, that's what they're known for, Philly cheesesteak. And I pretty much avoided them the few days I was there. And then Sunday was the day I was flying back. And I was with a guy who had a car. Now I had options. And he said, you know, we probably should get a Philly cheesesteak. And I was like, you know, it's one of those things. Well, and, and I felt like if I didn't do it, when was it going to be back in Philadelphia again? And I might be missing something. And this is an old marketing trick. Disney, right now as I talk, is getting ready to, I believe, re-release Beauty and the Beast for a limited time only. And you have to act now or you'll miss it. Fear of missing out. FOMO. F-O-M-O. And so we had a friend of mine. I said, hey, I'm, I'm here. Where's the best you know, Philly cheesesteak. And so we went to this place called Jim Steaks, very creatively named. And uh, you walk in and there's a big pile of chopped up steak on a grill right next to a big chopped up pile of onions. And then these big vats of cheese. So I wanted provolone cheese. My friend had uh, 
whatever the orange goo was, and they just dumped gallons of it on there. For the provolone, it was just a couple pieces. And I got the steak and I got some onions. Well, sure enough, I get home and I'm up a little bit of weight. But here's the, the bottom line on this. You know what it tasted like? It tasted like a bun with some chopped up steak, some grilled onions, and a provolone slice of cheese. Kind of like the ones I could make right here in good old Akron, Ohio. There really wasn't anything that was a little greasier. And there are all sorts of um, pictures of famous people on the wall who had come to Jim Steaks to, uh, to get one of the official ones. But I'm here to tell you it wasn't anything like, oh, man, I have got to go back there. Giordano's Pizza in Chicago. Ah, now that's something that I can't get in it. But this was like, meh. And I think in most cases, most of the stuff when somebody goes, you have to try my insert food here. Very rarely is it something that's like, oh, my God. This is like, it's yeah, it's cheese, steak, bun. Got it. So be careful on the whole fear of missing out. And uh, it was interesting because when I got home and I was like, yeah, I'm up a little bit. And what did I do? Did I kick myself? No, I just like, all right, back to the plan. And I've since lost that weight. But that's where you think about it. If you don't make the bad choices, I would be down even more. I'm I'm down to losing my last five to 10 pounds and I would be 1.6 pounds closer than having to gain it and then lose it again. In fact, I'd almost be done. And so I've said this before, and I knew it going in, and I was like, ah, how bad can it hurt? Well, it takes me a while to lose a pound. But, you know, nothing tastes as good as feeling thin. And I know that's like a bumper sticker. You're like, really? Is it a T-shirt? Is it a mug? But it really is true. Because when I stepped on the scale, I was like, ah, you idiot. You knew that was a bad choice. You made it anyway. And my my reward is to hit the treadmill. Lucky me. And to just really, really, really watch every ounce of food I ate for the next couple of days. And it's come off. But I don't know that it was worth it. And so be very careful of the, oh, you might never have this chance. Because really is there... In many cases of things I've eaten and tried, movies I've seen that, oh, it's like, no, no, it really wasn't that much better than the usual stuff. School of Podcasting. With we're going to start off with some quick podcast success stories. Here again, podcasting is opening doors to people. You're connecting with your audience, so you're getting to know them a little better. Subscribe now at schoolofpodcasting.com. All right, I found an article I wanted to share, which kind of ties in with what I was talking about. This is from uh, RodaleWellness.com. It says, the one habit that rules them all, it's the 10-minute rule. And it said, getting started is the single most difficult aspect of doing anything worthwhile, if you think about it, right? Because when you start to do anything new, you suck at it. I think that's why it's hard to start stuff. It, it's You suck when you first start something new, unless you're some sort of phenom that just picks up something. But think about your life, from, from mundane tasks like washing dishes after dinner to going for a run to getting up without hitting the snooze at 5 a.m., 14 times, of course, to writing a book about hustle, it, it's just the thought is vastly more painful than the actual task. It always has been. 
and probably always will be. It's that thought of, ah, right time to make the donuts. Remember that commercial? The thought of doing something most of the time is not as bad as doing it. It says, how many times have you ever groaned at the thought of going to the gym only to find out that once you're there, you know, and you're into that seven minutes of your workout, you not only feel absolutely fabulous, you question why you even hesitated in the first place. I'm guilty of that. I'm like, oh, I got to pack up my stuff. I got to get in the car. I got to drive there. They're going to be playing that dopey music that nobody listens to in the gym because everybody's got their own earbuds on. Why do they do that? That's so stupid. I mean, really, who's going to work out to Britney Spears? Come on now. So it says, so to alleviate the inevitable feelings of self-imposed friction, what we like to call the anti-hustle, there is a simple solution. And it's actually, they say, brilliant in its simplicity. They call it the 10-minute rule. And it states that instead of contemplating and delaying, simply do something that moves you without judgment for 10 minutes and then evaluate. Do for 10 minutes, then evaluate. Not evaluate it for 10 minutes and then never do it. It's a simple way of staying productive, uh, present, and focused in the moment. And in a place of near constant momentum, when you do this, again, do for 10 minutes, then evaluate. Putting the 10-minute rule into practice saves us time and headaches and allows you to quickly make decisions about how to prioritize and allocate our resources and energy by circumventing our propensity, ooh, big word, to overthink. Because we do. We overthink everything. And it says, while we find numerous advantages to employ the 10-minute rule, there are three main benefits. So first of all, rapid productivity. Having something critical and essential or even annoying to do, if you tackle it immediately, as in like right now, 10 minutes is all you have to get moving. You know, you make a quick list of a few items, you put them on your calendar, or your to-do list, pick any of them, and then you just start. So if you have a phone call to make, smile and dial. An email to send, craft it and get it out quickly. Um... This is a proposal that needs to get out the door and to your clients, wrap it up. A pitch to practice to win new business, talk through it in front of a mirror for 10 minutes. Or maybe it's just scheduling a brief meeting to close a deal. Submit it on your client's calendar now. It says you have something that must get done today. We all do, don't we? And now is better than later. So just do it. Get moving, get her done. And do it now. Start the day with a burst of the 10-minute rule and track your progress for a week to see how this helps you. And I cannot tell you, when I was in college, how many times I dreaded writing that paper or dreaded reading a chapter. Once you started doing it, it really wasn't that bad. right? Usually it's the it's the thought of doing something that really, really drives you crazy. It says, have you ever felt distracted or even powerless against the forces of overwhelm and overload? Do you find yourself torn between tracking your American Express expenses, uh, taking a peek at TMZ? Don't look at TMZ. What a waste of time. And responding to more text messages and social media invites than you can count? Use the 10-minute rule to get undistracted and be present with one task at a time. They say, own it. This means sitting or standing upright with good posture, practicing 
steady nasal breathing and staying present with the task at hand. If you're working on your smartphone, use only one app. If you're on another device, the same rule applies. Do only one thing at a time. Breathe it in, focus on it, and finish it and only it. Then move on. Give yourself 10 minutes to exert real control over your destiny. It's been said that God is action. Where are we going with this uh, article? Think of your 10-minute session as a spiritual practice. It's like, it is Zen-like, daily practice of mindful doing. I like that phrase, mindful doing. It's a meditation, a short burst of effective, non-judgmental output. It says, you're a monk in a temple of doing. Whether it's a monastery or a cubicle, you're committed to pursuing opportunity and enjoying small doses of gain every day. It says the short time required to do this forces you into a focused and disciplined bubble after which you can decide if you want to pursue the question, the problem, or pursue the opportunity for a longer period. Look, we know someone who created a sign for his office that read, do not disturb, said, I'm in the temple of doing you might follow suit. So I'm not quite sure I get that last sentence about do not disturb, but I love the idea that so many times we overthink stuff and then we don't do it. Just do it. Just do it. Cause it's, it's really, I think, you know, if you have any sort of age behind you, if you just do it, it's really not that bad. So I want to share that today. And I know for me, I've been doing push-ups. I hate doing push-ups. I hate lifting weights, period. But if I get on the floor and start doing push-ups, 25 push-ups later, it's like, okay, well, that wasn't that hard. And I need that. As a um, a man in his 50s, the last thing I want is a good solid B cup. So I got to, you know, things are drooping, even on guys. And uh, you just got to do it. The, the, the bottom line is, and I think you'll find if you just do it, and of course, since we're kind of talking about exercise, potentially, always consult your doctor. Got to cover my butt there. But most of the time, thinking about it, your brain makes it worse than the actual thing. So 10 minutes, do it, then evaluate and say, was that so bad? I think you'll find it wasn't. Well, I'm going to give you a new reason not to fight with your partner, besides the fact that less dishes will get broken, less holes in walls, things of that nature. And uh, it's no fun to uh, fight with your partner. But here it is. It uh, says both positive and negative marital interactions have been linked to heart health, according to research from the University of Pittsburgh. Participants, either in marriages or marriage-like partnerships, were asked to rate their marital interactional, easy for me to read, were asked to rate their marital interaction quality as positive, meaning agreeableness, or negative, better known as conflict, every hour for four days. That's interesting. Every hour. Well, are we getting along? Well, we were. Uh, it says, then the researchers measured the thickness of the cartoid artery using the ultrasound imaging. That's what I would have done. I would have said, yeah, let's use ultrasound on that. They found that negative marital interaction was associated with having a thicker cartoid artery, an indicator 
of subclinical cardiovascular disease. Conversely, more positive marital interaction was associated with a thinner cardioid artery. So how can you stop fighting? Well, according to Lori Poon, I guess that's how you pronounce it, P-U-H-N, Pun, she's a conflict resolution expert. It's the million-dollar question, of course, but the wrong question. The right question is, how can you turn bad fights into good fights? In other words, how do you fight fair? And I read this and I was like, this is some pretty good advice. As somebody who went to marriage counseling for six years, it says arguments are inevitable in any relationship, but not all fights have to end negatively. Good fights, which are rational encounters that effectively address the problem at hand, are the route to a peaceful solution. So she's giving us four steps to turning bad fights into good ones. And the first one is do something different. So you must be in a logical state of mind. That's hard to do because let's face about it. When you're arguing, a lot of times you're in the complete emotional space. You need to be capable of maintaining self-control. And how do you wrestle back control over your emotions? The idea here is you got to do something different because what you've been doing probably isn't working. So when you first detect that you're in a high anger mode, gather your thoughts and say to your partner, I'd like to have a five minute conversation. Now, for me, my muscles in my back start to tense up, uh, almost like the hair on the back of my neck. I, I know when my buttons are being pushed. And the other thing is, I start getting real sarcastic. And for the record, sarcasm in an argument, not really a good thing to be doing. Uh, then it says, before you say or do anything else, sit down wherever you are. The floor is an option for some of us. Ask your spouse, your mate, your partner to sit down too and face you. Why? It's harder to get yourself in a huff when you're seated and unable to chase your partner around as you scream about their grievances. And if you're out with your mate in public, then hold your tongue until you are together in private. Nothing more fun than seeing the, the argument at the you know Longhorn. Uh, also, you short-circuit your fight-or-flight response. Right, because there are times when you say something and somebody just walks out of the room. Well, now you got to get up. And for some of us, that's going to take a while. So while standing keeps your body tensed and ready for action, sitting sends a signal to your brain that you won't be wrestling any lions or, you know, fleeing for the hills right now. That whole flight or flight thing goes away. So doing this one thing differently gets you out of the routine of fighting and whatever habit you have and opens the door to a new rational way to handle the situation. Now, I'm with you on this, that you read this and go, that's good advice. I will tell you this, probably not as easy to implement. But I think if you take somebody, look them in the eyes, grab their hands and say, I want to have a five minute conversation with you. I want this to be positive. I don't want to fight with you. I don't know that anybody's going to really turn that down, but it is easier said than done. Number two, be a detective. When we are stuck in the emotional fight, we impulsively make assumptions about our partner's intentions. You know you were going to, ooh, ooh. But what if those assumptions are wrong? And uh, they often are. We end up getting sidetracked into a different battle, which basically leaves the real problem unsolved. If you're going to have a good, rational fight, then you have to reject assumptions and go straight for the facts. 
You do this by being a detective and asking neutral questions. Now, if you've ever read the book, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, this is the old understand before being understood. And when you ask neutral questions, not only will you uncover and discover the real problem, but you'll also respect uh, your mate more. You'll respect their point of view. And remember, respect is an essential condition for love. So, again, you're trying to uncover the true problem because in reality, you didn't marry Hitler. You're not dating Hitler. They're not a bad person. Otherwise, why would you be dating them? So, according to uh, Dr. Poon, you might want to ask things like, why do you think that? And you have to be careful with some of these because I could see this coming across as defensive. Like, what are you thinking is not what she said. She said, why do you think that? What makes you feel that way? Is there a reason why you didn't get it today. And I I think that's how they're saying as were you supposed to get something instead of saying, why didn't you get it? Go, is there a reason why you didn't get it today? Again, you're being as opposed to, is there a reason why you aren't getting it today? No, that's not what they're, is there a reason you didn't get it today? Remember being a, a investigator, what caused you to say that? Did something happen that made you upset? Um, what would you like to have happen instead? And so for me, I've just said, Obviously, you're frustrated right now. What are you feeling? And then you feel they're, I feel neglected. I feel disrespected, whatever it is. And then you can work on those feelings. Number three, report your findings and share your point of view. Once you've succeeded at being a detective, the next step is to report your findings. And this means first, you repeat your mate's words back to him or her by summarizing what you heard. Now, I was in a relationship where my spouse would not do this. I said, can you repeat back to me what I just said? And she took it very defensively as I was saying, pop quiz, what I just say, hot shot. And that's not it because, look, we all have filters. We all have baggage. We all have history. And somebody can say one plus one equals two. And they go, here's what I heard. One plus two equals three. And you're like, that's not what I said. And you can stop right there because you haven't even communicated yet. So don't, Look at it as a pop quiz. The goal is communication. And you might be saying, Dave, why are we talking about marriage in a weight loss podcast? Because let's face it, when we get in an argument with somebody, we're upset. A lot of us fix this with food. So if we don't have things to fix with food, we're less likely to do that. And if we have a better relationship, there are certain exercises that we do with our spouses that will help burn calories. There you go. Um, But by doing this, it it shows that you understand when you repeat back their words. And then you can check in saying, is that right? So you said you're upset because when I went to the golf club uh, this morning, I told you I'd be home before lunch. But instead, I came home after lunch. To you, that meant I preferred being with my friends over you. Is that right? right, So you're just making sure you got it. No judging here, by the way. I just want to make sure this is what you're saying. And if your mate says yes, and then listen to the rest of that exclamation and rephrase your summary to include your partner's points. A good detective wants to be 100% accurate in assessing the situation and taking time to fully understand your mate's point of view in this disagreement. That is a powerful sign of respect that can snuff out much of the anger that leads to bad fights because you're showing them what you have to say, what you're thinking, what you're feeling is important. And a lot of times we get our dander up because we're feeling disrespected, especially for guys. But I I think that's 
universal, but especially for guys. We don't want to feel disrespected. Uh, once you're, once you understand your partner's point of view, express your own, be clear about what you need and want, why you're hurt, without cursing, by the way, or blaming, using language like, when that happened, I was angry because, and take a moment to think out loud about your perspective and your mate's perspective, and those typically can coexist. Whatever the situation, you don't have to agree with your partner's perspective. You can't say, wait, so you thought I was trying to do this? To You don't have to say, I agree, that's what I was doing. But you can agree that that's what they're feeling. And then if you understand why they thought that, and if they see why you thought that, then you can uh, see where the difference is and come up with this little thing called the truth. It says, but you do have to accept the fact that two intelligent people can hold two different views Concerning the same event, and in my opinion, and that's all this is, with my ex-wife, I had to adopt her opinion. I had to. There was only one opinion that counted, and it was hers. Um, so when you can agree, agree to disagree or see where, you know, because of somebody's experience and just their whole, we all have baggage, how they came up with that conclusion and how you came up with that. And then you can see, oh, here's where here's where I turn left and here's where you turned right. And then you can turn back together. I mean, that's a powerful insight that keeps you moving forward in a good fight. So those are some steps there. Uh, step number four, forgot about this one. Uh, once both viewpoints have been shared, it's time to team up and find a joint solution, which is what I just said. You basically find the truth. Oh, I thought you meant this. Oh, okay. I, see, I can see why you thought that. Can you see why I thought this? Yeah, I didn't know you knew that. I thought that, would, I didn't know that. Oh, well, no. And then you encourage your mate to share some ideas about how to prevent the same thing from arising again. Oh, beautiful. Let's try not to do this again. The point here is that you need to share ideas. Then you must abandon your own idea in favor of a joint solution that includes a bit of both of your ideas. And that's the toughie. Because if I abandon my idea, does that mean I'm wrong? Maybe. Partially. Maybe you partially were both wrong. Does it matter who's wrong or right? Doesn't it matter that you're coming to a conclusion that you both can live with? So when I read that, I was like, okay, that's not really fitness related. But I think a lot of us are emotional eaters and nothing brings out emotion like a marriage, like a whatever you want to call it. When you have a partner, when you have a spouse, when you have a child and a parent. So keep that in mind. And uh, I just thought it was a great article. One to share it with you. Want to say thanks to everybody who's been going out to logicalloss.com slash support. There are links all over the website for Amazon. If you're going to be going to Amazon, if you click on those, maybe even bookmark them, doesn't cost you an extra dime at all. And a very small portion of that that you spend goes to help support the show. Things like the web hosting, the media hosting, the newsletter, all that stuff. Greatly appreciated. If you're like, I'm not going to buy anything at Amazon. Well, go to logicalloss.com slash support and you can, uh, Drop us a donation. It's greatly appreciated. If you get any value from this podcast, I'm hoping that you deliver some value to me to keep the show going. So hope to see you again real soon with another episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Until then, if for some reason 
you're in a downward spiral right now, realize you can, if you start turning it around now, who knows, in a few hours, a few days, a week, a month, you can have it completely turned around. But you got to keep trying. The only way that you officially lose is when you quit. So just don't quit. Don't give up. You can do this. You just haven't found maybe the right way to do this. But the good news is you can cross a bunch of things off that didn't work. So keep keep going, keeping on, as they say. So thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free on iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free, 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to.